when you call somebody by their name, their given name, once you know their name, it says, I'm acknowledging you and yeah. who you and what you are. I'm acknowledging what you carry. I'm acknowledging all that you will become. And if you think about it from a, from a spiritual perspective, when we call something, it's like a prophecy. Mm-hmm. So when every time you declare a person's name, you're declaring their purpose. So you're declaring what they are to become. Welcome to the What Next Podcast, hosted by Sean Reed, where we pay it forward through conversations. Each week, we will bring you an inspiring person or message to help you on your journey to discover what's next for you. I want to put to you my thought process, right? I'm not saying it makes sense. Let's put it out there. So, I think that it is very difficult for us to it's very difficult for us to us as human beings to see to to see if it is that everybody who is president or prime minister or ceo is walking and able-bodied and i'm in a wheelchair I'm going to assume I can't get to that level. If I see a prime minister in a wheelchair, I'm going to think, oh crap, maybe that could be me one day. Mm-hmm. Right? So similarly, if in Jamaica we watch um, American TV or English TV and we're seeing white president, um, white prime minister, white CEO, all these TV shows is white, white, white at the top. Until we get the browns in. <laughs> right? <laughs> What are we teaching our children? Right. Similarly, if it's always men in a position and not women, mm-hmm. women may think the same way. So my thought process, right, is, again, I know it's extreme, but similar to how, um, like, North Korea and those countries, they wall off their internet. They, they, they create their own everything, right, to, to ban certain things, to keep their people thinking a particular way. I think in Jamaica it's going to be very difficult for persons who are black in Jamaica to see themselves or to think of themselves in a particular way of confidence if the TV we're showing them is always a white person in power. Because naturally they're going to assume that, you see it when we walk around the road, people in Jamaica defer to white people. Because that's a person in charge. So if you walk into our two, if you walk, so no, I mean, I get what you mean, yeah. and that's part of our colonial, past, right? So why, how do we, why it happens? So but how do we it's change interesting that? that you, so if you, if you, you're talking about it from the perspective of media and what is what is available, right? To so if you were to, if you were to eradicate, I don't all think of, that would necessarily help. And the reason I'm saying mm-hmm. that, but hold is, on, if you were to eradicate, if you eradicated all of the history books, right? So eradicate. <laughs> Eradicated life hold on, now. Right. So <laughs> if at December 28, 2022, we eradicated history books and we eradicated all of us, right? Everybody over five, right? <laughs> Just hear me out. Because we also impart that negativity unknowingly, right? Or that bias unknowingly in various circumstances. If a child who has no history lesson, has no parent, watches TV, white person, white male in power, everybody black and female below, that's going to be what they think is normal. 
So we also have to kill media as well. And I don't know if I, I wouldn't agree with that mainly mm-hmm. because, or let me start from premise of, I understand what you mean in terms of social interaction playing a part mm-hmm. and educating the populace because they see it, you know? Um, in a way, I, I think it's one of the differences between, let me say, Caribbean um, fused ethnicities. Yeah. I'm not calling them minorities because there's no way in the world that we are minorities when we outnumber Correct. people worldwide, right? Mm-hmm. But if you go to certain countries, mm-hmm. we'd be considered minority. Yeah. We're not minority in the true sense of the word minority. Yeah. It's one of the reasons I think Caribbean ethnicities don't, or varied ethnicities, can't have a difficulty understanding the demeanor of individuals who grew up in a society like North America. And that's partially because the system is different. Mm-hmm. So every day there is this anxiety about whether or not you are actually going to lose your job anxiety about whether or not you'll see your child, anxiety about whether or not you'll have opportunities just because of the color of your skin. Mm -hmm. And a lot of that is because the system is set up in such a way that it favors people who are Caucasian. Um, To some extent, I understand if a population doesn't see something as possible because they have no representation in certain positions, they may think it's not likely to happen. However, experiences, I think, trump the example, or not really experience, maybe exposure. Mm -hmm. I say that because I remember growing up and my father saying, Things like, um, always think about the source of information when you're getting information. Mm -hmm. So, you know, don't just absorb the information. Mm -hmm. Question who is writing an article or question who is giving a presentation, what their background is. Um, So essentially, I must think for myself and not just absorb it because somebody else said it. Not because the person is a doctor, not because the person is white, not because the person has this particular position. Uh, Also things like, you know, if I am part of, and let's be realistic, in Jamaica, majority of our population maybe is not educated. Unfortunately, yeah. they're not educated to tertiary level. Mm-hmm. So you and I fall within a 1% and 2% of the population that is educated beyond Secondary. a certain level yeah. and has been exposed beyond a certain level in terms of travel, seeing other cultures. So things like you are part of whatever percentage in terms of the population and so you're expected to be different or you have d- opportunities or you have access to different things. Mm-hmm. I remember when I was going to university, him also saying that the people that I am at school with, irrespective of whichever country they were from, um, and in particular from the Eastern Caribbean countries, are likely to, the pe- to be the people who are going to become prime ministers or members of government in their respective mm-hmm. countries. So 
it's good to interact with those people. Mm. So that's what I mean by exposure or mm-hmm. experiences because mm. interacting with those people, and he was right. There are many people who I was in class with. Parents are prime minister mm-hmm. and government officials. Right. Um, so I never thought of it as being impossible. The other thing is that watching North American TV for me made me think white. And I don't necessarily mean that in a, in a blanket way. You see people, they're in danger, they call 911. 911 <laughs> comes, right? You have this expectation that the police are going to show up or the fire brigade is going to show right. up. Only to be living in Jamaica, this is a real experience. Having actually had to call the police station here, it's not 911, it's 119. It was busy. Mm-hmm. I got a busy signal. A real note. It was busy. And I'm like, what? You mean it doesn't work the way it does on TV? <laughs> but my expectation right. was that it would have been advanced, that it would have been somebody coming to my rescue, and I would say, yes, there has been X, Y situation. I need somebody to come to this location. I was about 16 at the time. And that was my first, maybe not my first, but the first one that really comes to mind, experience of realizing this ideal lifestyle that Mm. is portrayed on the TV that I'm watching is not reality. Right. So it it wasn't it wasn't for me it wasn't what you were suggesting in terms of this thing is not possible because I'm coming from Jamaica or Mm. it's not possible because I'm brown or it's not possible because I'm not seeing a brown or a black person in that particular position. It was more I'm expecting this to happen mm. because this is what I'm seeing all the time. It doesn't occur to me that it couldn't happen right? because I've been exposed to it. Um, I do also remember hearing people talk about experiencing racism when they travel. It's not something that I have experienced to this day, thankfully. <laughs> or if I did, I was unaware of it. That's a thing, right? Unaware and I'm unaware of it because I'm not sensitive to it. Yes. Because I'm socialized or my thinking has been influenced from a perspective of I have a right to belong or a perspective of I should, I can do this. Right. There's nothing stopping me from right. doing it. Finances are not stopping me. I'm not in, I'm not begging these people for anything. If I don't want to be here, I can leave. Exactly. And so I I grew up with this expectation of, or even this thought process of, if I were to go to a country and they say, sorry, we're not, or we don't want you here. No problem. Okay. I'm going home. <laughs> exactly. I don't feel snuffed. I don't, I don't feel like I've been snubbed. Yeah. Because you don't want me in your country. Why do I need to be in your country anyway? Funny enough, I've actually done that. I remember traveling for work <laughs> once and the officer at the you know, in the airport over there in the States, they were like, Where's your work ID? I was like, The work ID doesn't work in the building here, so why do I carry it? And he was like, You know, we can send it back home. I was like, Please then do. Send me home. I was like, literally I was like, Please send me back home. I actually don't even want to be here. I have a very good home, a very good country <laughs> called Jamaica, which is very sunny. Over here is very cold. I want to go back home. And he looked at me with shock. I was like, I don't actually want to be here. Yeah, and, and that's shocking to them because they're expecting you to cover. Yeah. And, and think it's a privilege to be here. I yeah. mean, no, really and truly, no, when I travel, especially apart from seeing 
places I haven't been to and experiencing something new. Most of the times when I travel, especially to North America, it's just because of the convenience. Like I want, I mean, fine, I want to see my family and mm. friends. But once I've done that and I've picked up a few essentials, time things, to go. it's time to come home. <laughs> I have no reason to be there any longer. I mean, time to go. The, the lifestyle there is very different yeah. from what we can experience here. Correct. And so for me, I will say in COVID though, um, I became more sensitive to some of the the daily burdens that people who are termed minority but are not really minority experience on a daily mm. basis. I remember um, when George Floyd was killed, mm -hmm. murdered on TV, mm -hmm. thinking this cannot be real, cannot be real because this this sounds like. 500 years ago yeah, type of thing. It looked like a movie. But separate from that, I remember, I think it was ABC that had done an interview with some of their employees who come on mm. media every day. So like they might be anchors for certain mm. shows or they are, you know, they do. And they spoke about their experiences on a day-to-day -day basis. I remember one of them, I can't remember his name, pretty popular guy saying, he had to remind himself to smile because he said if he had an expression on his face that was not a smile, he may per be perceived as being aggressive. Wow. He could lose his job or he may be arrested or he, and I mean, he's not even dark in comparison yeah. and he doesn't have a demeanor that looks offensive. You know, mm. he looks pretty low key, easygoing in terms of just his his wow. physical appearance mm -hmm. he doesn't look like he's intimidating he doesn't look like evander holyfield kind of thing yeah. like he doesn't look like a, <laughs> like a like a boxer um i can't remember his name but he also spoke about um i think it's his son you know the fear that he has every single day when his child leaves and because he's a black man mm -hmm. living in that society, mm -hmm. he doesn't know if he's going to see his mm -hmm. son again at the end of the day. And I remember thinking, that's not a way for people to live. There, that is no way for people to be living. It's, I, so you're right. Um, my, I've had a couple of racially um, heightened experiences in America. And one of them I remember because if a policeman stops me here driving in Jamaica, if I show my ID or whatever the case is, he'll give me a ticket, but I'm not being harassed at all. 0.0% harassed. And I remember it was four of us driving in a car. We're looking typical Jamaican experience. Somebody, you can't know where somebody's like, drop off something for me or carry something back. So we're driving very slow looking for the, the house. And uh, one policeman flashed and pulled us over. And before I was able to take my seatbelt off, five more cars appeared. Mm. Lights flashing, pulled on us. And I was like, I'm going to die in America. This is horrible. <laughs> <laughs> this is horrible. <laughs> right? Carry back home. And there were four of us in the car, four black men in the car. And yeah, there were five police officers, five cars that there was 10 officers within five seconds. Wow. Because we're driving too slow. We're driving fast. Mm -hmm. We're literally driving slow. Because you're driving too slow. And I was like, this would have happened in Jamaica. 
I was like, no, this is not the culture for me. This is not the culture for me. And so you're right. I can't, I can't imagine being a teenager, hopped up on hormones, trying to find myself in the world, and being told by a parent or a guardian, you have to suppress all of your emotions just so you can try and fit in. Yeah. Yeah. That is a whole different lifestyle. So what do you think that we could do better, let's say, in Jamaica to try to fix our colorism issues here? <sighs> you know, the, I think that's a multi-layered answer. I'm not sure I have it right now. <laughs> that's fine. Main, main reason I said that is because it's, it's something I've been thinking about a lot the last, well, since COVID. Mm-hmm. Um, just how much, and I'm not by any means blaming the white man. Mm-hmm. I don't want to come across as those because <laughs> it aggravates me when I hear people say, "Oh, we were enslaved, and we were this, mm-hmm. and we were that." Yes, because I, in some ways, I used to, I do remember, you know, hearing particularly, let's say, African Americans talk about lack of opportunity or complain about certain things, and I'm like, yeah, but we can't still use that as an excuse okay it happened we acknowledge mm-hmm. it but i have a better appreciation for why they are able to draw on it more now because it's way more recent in their history than it right. was for example for us yeah at the same time there are beyond colorism so many elements that affect our society or any society that was colonized yeah. to this day yeah yeah. And I, I, for me, it has been highlighted particularly with people who live either in tenement yards or in what we call squatters' lands, on squatters' lands, because those lands were given to slaves without proper documentation. Mm-hmm. It was allowed, mm-hmm. they were allowed to essentially live on a piece of land or to occupy a space without getting anything to say they're the legal owner of it. They don't have anything to pass down to the children. They are not educated. They weren't allowed. They being both women and varied ethnicities, anything Mm -hmm. that's not Caucasian, let me call it that, because it happened for indentured servants as well. Um, So without access to education or access to property it limits your exposure and it goes back to what i was saying when you were asking about what we see on tv and i mentioned because i was exposed or because my the thoughts that were passed down to me were coming from a place of exposure i never thought of it as lacking or i never thought of it as me not having the right to be somewhere Mm -hmm. or to participate in something um but for those people who don't have somebody to say this is possible or that you are part of a group who has access or um, let me help you, fixing it is for the rest of a lifetime. Yeah. As far as I can see. I meaning education is only one part of it and education doesn't necessarily mean formal training. Education can just be shifting perspective. Mm-hmm. It's hard to shift perspective, though, if somebody's living day-to-day or hour-by-hour. You cannot ask somebody to think about next week, next month, or next year 
if they don't know what today looks yeah. like. And that is, to me, the biggest hurdle in fixing it. So it's, it's beyond colorism because if a, it doesn't matter if they're black, white, brown, yellow. Mm-hmm. If they're living in conditions where they cannot see beyond today or beyond lunchtime, it doesn't matter what you expose them to. It doesn't matter what the experience is. It's very hard, I think, to to fix something without setting some kind of plan which addresses how we think. Yeah. Because I, I, as we're having this conversation, and I, I thought about it earlier, maybe in the last few days, um, everything that we accept thought-wise was imposed in some way mm-hmm. because it was suitable to one set of people. Um, and as I find myself questioning why things are done a certain way, I'm not saying it must disrupt everything. Obviously, some things are good. I wondered if part of my strange Christmas experience in 2022 wasn't related to why we observe Christmas or how we observe Christmas. Uh, and I'm, I'm, I'm linking it back to Jewish or Hebrew mm-hmm. calendar mm-hmm. because they believe that Jesus was actually born closer to September, October. And again, it's it was a fusion of culture or imposition of culture in the same way that there's an imposition of lifestyle when the British, the French, the Spanish came to different countries mm-hmm. and imposed their lifestyle on people who were already in existence, who they had no way of communicating with. Um, it's an unlearning and every day you have to unlearn. So in the, in the same way that you're learning to keep, fu- to keep fulfillment alive, mm-hmm. you have to unlearn or question some of the things that you have learned yeah. or were taught because um, they alienate one set of or many sets of humans when we are all connected. We all have the same value, but we somehow place greater value mm-hmm. on some than others. Um, and so we have, we do definitely, we, we have classism and we have colorism here. Classism comes in with the exposure thing that mm-hmm. I'm talking about, which is unfortunate because it still existed in Europe. It just in a different way. Yeah. You know, you had your your kings, your queens, yeah. your duke, your duchess, yeah. and all those things, and then you had the plebs. Yeah, you had little people who live in fields and yeah. things. But somehow, the treatment, and maybe I don't know enough. Maybe I didn't research it enough to understand what their treatment was really like. The treat the treatment of peasants in comparison to those who were considered noble. If you think about it from even um. Although this is not really like a noble example, but it comes to mind because it, it, it sort of made it lifelike for me, the literature books I used to read. 
Mockingbird, Mockingjay. Is that Mockingbird? No. Oh, Hunger Games. Here, Hunger Games. There you go. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> the guy who was at the bakery. She used to throw up bread. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And he would be like, he was outside in the rain. Mm -hmm. I think, when I think of, when you think of stories like Cinderella and people talk about peasants and who come to the court, to the courtyard mm -hmm. for be, to be presented, peasants were not allowed to be there, or plebs, mm -hmm. whatever they were called. Mm -hmm. They were thought of as being the lower ends of society. Mm -hmm. They were not invited. They didn't get right access to this courtyard to be presented because they couldn't afford fine linen and things like that. But I don't know that they were enslaved. They didn't have access, yes. They were denied privileges, but right. they were not forced to live in harsh conditions or to produce things for others. But that's interesting because that's, that's, they were physically enslaved, but it's also a part of being mentally enslaved yeah. where you're a, a quote-unquote um set of people are imposing certain things on other people you can't do this you can't do that mm -hmm. and they it's maybe it's like bullying in school or segregation in school you know the jocks are over here and the, the nerds are over here etc it's the same type of thing where it almost seems natural for us as human beings to divide ourselves for whatever reason so we're all in school but everybody who play football sit here and everybody who do that ball sit there everybody who good at math sit there but we learn that from somewhere. Have to. Have we learn to. it from adults. Yes, 100%. Because children, play they together. don't know prejudices. Yes. So when children are very young, if they see another child, they'll go over and play. Immediately. Immediately. Or if somebody looks like they're hurt, they're concerned. Immediately. They, they don't know prejudice until it has been shown to them or yes. taught to them. I had, I had a perfect experience over this weekend so i went to one function for christmas at that function there are about four or five teenagers there right or preteens and i was feeding my daughter in a room by myself and those preteens or teens walked in it was just myself and my daughter two people the four of them walked in with their food to eat and they're like oh in here is crowded and they walked, <laughs> and they walked out and I, and I was like, they're only like 12, 13, but the attitude is already there. Mm -hmm. And then literally, same night, a few hours later, um, I was dropping something off somewhere. And my daughter met someone for the first time. Never saw them before ever in life. Another four-year-old or five-year-old child. And they started hugging and playing. Mm -hmm. And I was like, she's still at the age, at five, where, to your point, they're not segregated yet. Yeah. But six or seven years later, they're probably she probably go there and be like, Oh, can I talk to her? Should I talk to her? With all these questions and preconceptions that it's probably adults imposing. For whatever random reason, we naturally teach each other to segregate. And it's a very bad thing. Yeah, I think it's coming from our history again. Coming from our history. It's coming from um that imposition of a thought. Uh, there's a page that I follow on Instagram. I don't I don't follow it very carefully, but it's called Know Your Caribbean. Okay. Um, and so this girl who I think is originally, or she's somehow connected to St. Lucia. I want to say that she grew up in London. 
she talks about different things that happened in history and how different Caribbean countries, how the people used to be. I don't know where that she got the footage from, but mm-hmm. she would show things like slaves dancing mm. or people, you know, like... So as, they, a, as a footage or like... Yeah, clip. footage, like wow. a little clip of them wow. doing like like a almost like a, you know, it's like a, either Jankano or mm. something, some kind of festival and they're just enjoying mm. each other's company and they're laughing and they're dancing and they're having a good time. Um, Cuba, same thing. Mm-hmm. And so she's sharing a little bit about how culture in the Caribbean has been influenced by their colonizers and things that have been suppressed, mm-hmm. um, which were really an expression of the people based on where they came from. Uh, so, you know, you, you pluck people out of their natural environment and you carry them somewhere else. Indentured servants were brought here, mm-hmm. they're brought to different places. Mm-hmm. To work the land. Right. Why do you assume that you could wake up and just treat people like animals, essentially? Yeah. If black people were to have ever woken up and said, let's just enslave all the white people. <laughs> yeah. It probably wouldn't be as productive. I don't yeah. know. I've ever, <laughs> and, and that's probably a bias coming out. Coming out. <laughs> but I don't, I don't know. Somehow they just don't seem able-bodied to do it. Whereas we have a little oomph. You know, we have some substance. I don't know. And, and I don't know if the substance for us is coming from the fact that our ancestors worked. It's probably, had to work the, the land. Yeah, it's, they it's maybe were genetic. feeble, feeble the same way. Yeah, and then they just, they had to time. build up the stamina over time. And it has passed down to generations. But it's not, I don't think it's a coincidence that even if you think about Jamaica, Jamaicans as a population... We're distinct, but we also, as in we're, in, as individuals, we're unique, but we also have an aggression in our population yeah. and we have a, a flashiness in our population. Yeah. That is coming from a certain African tribe. Correct, yeah. You know, so yeah. we did historically have a set of Africans who were known to be a little bit more rebellious or known to be a little bit more aggressive in their approach. And we can be like, like that as a people. There and is, we do yeah. it. We do it well in some things and we do it horribly in other things. So mm. we do it horribly in crime. We do it well in music. We do it well on the track. We do it well in food. We do it well in entertainment, generally. We do it well in hospitality to yeah, a certain extent. Yeah. Certain extent. Meaning, we know how to show people a good time or the, mm-hmm. or the, or the good parts about Jamaica. But unfortunately, there is still... A large sector of the population that cowers to somebody who looks lighter. We defer to them, so we will treat them better. We will give them the best hospitality, but then your colleague, your coworker, your fellow Jamaican who asks for help, you know, yeah, yeah, it's <clears throat> when sometimes you will um you will hear someone who seems radical, right? So you hear somebody who is saying, yo, but no, this thing, we're not celebrating Christmas, we're going to celebrate something else, blah, blah, blah. And again, I agree. Maybe how they're doing it is not the best way of doing it, right? Mm-hmm. But for some reason, we seem to outcast people who try to, they may have got some education somewhere on what the, the history is and what the right thing we should celebrate is or mm-hmm. what our people used to do back in 1752. Mm-hmm. And because we've been so brainwashed, we outcast them. 
we're like, oh, that person is crazy over there. Yeah. And the person is probably telling us the truth. Like, yeah. we are supposed to celebrate and dance this way, but we're like, oh, that's foolishness because yeah. we have been so brainwashed to believe that, yeah. oh, my Christmas is the best thing in the world and blah, 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 and stuff like that. It's, it's weird or it's unfortunate that we don't, we don't take the time to learn our history properly. And learn understand. history and to continue learning. Continue learning. Because it, the, learning in history doesn't necessarily mean that you have to revert to what it used to be. Fair enough. There are yeah. some things that we can take from history that are good and there are other things that we could approve, improve on. Um, you're asking about how to fix. I think it, it, it starts with having an understanding of what was and what is the middle ground going forward. Because it can't be either extreme. Because mm. again... If you have take the case of the U.S., who was a colony, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. then rebelled and created its own world, mm -hmm. they have freedom of everything. Mm -hmm. Too much freedom creates chaos. Yeah, we know this, yeah. and that is what is we're seeing yeah. it more than ever now. Yeah, you can't. So fine, you don't you don't want to be oppressive, um, but if you have no kind of structure or no kind of guideline for certain things. You end up with chaos. This is why we have mass shootings all the time. Whole question. Everybody have the right to bear arms, and then and then you wonder why your kid was gunned down outside the house. How does somebody learn of the past, right? So, I'm friends with every race mm -hmm. that I learn through history, through learning, that your forefathers enslaved my forefather, right? Yes, the right thing to do, but like, oh my gosh, that was then, this is no blah, 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 blah. But to your previous point, if because of your father, forefathers, I say, my forefathers, I don't live in a tenement yard and you have the big house on the hill, how do you stop that natural anger that's going to build up? Because I'm in this bad position based off of what your tribe did. I think did. it comes down to respect. Mm. And respect, not necessarily from a positional point of view, but respect for another human life. Okay. So if you treat somebody with respect, it starts to change how they perceive themselves. It, start, it starts to change what they think is possible. Mm -hmm. um, and I think I've mentioned this to you before in a previous conversation. I recognize the power of calling people by their name. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. It it changes their demeanor and it gives them a different level of respect. When you call somebody by their name, their given name, once you know their name, it says I'm acknowledging you and yeah. who you and what you are. I'm acknowledging what you carry. I'm acknowledging all that you will become. And if you think about it from the, the from a spiritual perspective, when we call something it's like a prophecy. Mm -hmm. So when every time you declare a person's name, you're declaring their purpose. So you're declaring what they are to become. Um, and I see it because I do have opportunities to interact with people in different backgrounds. When I call people by their name, especially if they perceive me as being different from them, mm -hmm their demeanor or interaction with me is also different because they think I'm different from everybody else. I've not just said hi. You're taking the time. I'm actually seeing them. Yeah. And um, 
it's just, it's just something that I've noticed, and so I really do try to make the effort to call people by their name, even if I don't really know them. If, especially if I go into a store and I see somebody has a name, but like a badge on or yeah. something, I try to address them by name. That's very good. I like that. I don't. That's a, that's a very good thing to do. <laughs> it, is, it makes sense. It may, everybody wants that knowledge. But you know, the thing is, it it's a, it seems like a small thing, but it has such a big impact. Mm. One example, I don't remember if I said this to you before. I went into a fast food restaurant. The cashiers were behind the register. They seemed to have been having some kind of tension with the customer before. So I was about to be the next person to place my order. So I was really trying to soften Mm -hmm. the person before interacting with them. So one of the things I would normally say is, hi, how are you? And I wait for their response. Because most people don't ask how you're doing, especially if you're especially if you're ordering food in a fast food yeah. place. So I greeted the person by name. And I said, How are you? And she's looking at me like, I'm okay. And it, like she kinda got shy and then yeah. she said then she covered up her name. <laughs> <laughs> and then I said, um, or sometimes I might say things like, Who trouble you today? Mm-hmm. or something like that. But her demeanor changed because she was in this agitated state before I got to her. Yeah. Um, the exchange of me greeting her by name, asking her how she is doing, and then she, her responding, and then the other friend said, the other person, the other register, um, the other cashier behind the register, looked at her and she said, "You don't know her," you know, like she said. So I said, I said something, and she said, "Yeah, man, that's how you know she's a long time customer." <laughs> so she said, so I said, what, "Why are you looking at me like, like that?" And I said, "Because I'm greeting you like I know you a long time." Mm. She said, "Yeah, you know, like he's my friend or something from." <laughs> Way back when, I said, well, just check in to see how you're doing. And then it led into this conversation of, I'm trying to remember if we had curfews. There was something that was supposed to be happening when it was early closure or something nationwide. And I asked what time they were closing. Mm -hmm. And she said, same 10 o'clock, my dear. A storm. I think Mm -hmm. a storm was coming. She said, same 10 o'clock, my dear. And then she said... I'm so essential. <laughs> you think that's fair? <laughs> so she's now asking me yeah. for my opinion on something. Yeah. But her demeanor completely changed. She was now in a happier mood. And so the next person behind me was experiencing yeah. a different cashier from yeah. the one in front of me. But it seems small. It really doesn't take anything out of me to address her by name. And it's not small. And I may not see her again. I may yeah. or may not see her again. But... It helped to brighten her day. It's not small because at the end of the day, these are the small things that matter to everybody. It doesn't matter yeah. who you are. Everybody wants to be acknowledged. Yeah. Everybody wants to, to feel as if they matter. Um, so it, it, it's, it's unfortunate. You have to say it seems small because those are just small things that make us human. Mm-hmm. If you think about it, right, where you have Alexa and Google Home and stuff like that, the first thing they do is they say, Tell me what your name is. Because they want to be able to address us by name. Because the computer is trying to figure out the best way to seem human. But yet so us humans don't do that to each other yeah. daily. Because we're treated like robots. <laughs> exactly. Or exactly. have been. Or have been. Or have some, been. some sectors of society are trying to be a little bit more human-like. I don't know. Fixing the problem is multi-layered for sure. Starts with education. Starts yeah. with... Um, being respectful and uh, trying to find a middle ground to move forward. Yeah. 
because we're not trying to revert to old history either way. Um, but there will be no future if we don't figure out how to navigate the middle part. Yeah, yeah. And as I speak about history, there's a guy who... I was watching a YouTube video last night and he went up to Ipswich, right? Um, train station, right? And apparently what his channel does is he goes around Jamaica discovering things that we have left behind, right? Mm. And literally, the Ipswich, like... That is it the guy with the, with the he tries out different food things? No, no, no. Travels well, with his girlfriend? No, I don't know. There's no girl there, no. Mm. So you went to the Ipswich... Um, train station which was overgrown etc fine went up to the community some people stayed in the community then he walked to the train station and just like he said i mean i think as human beings more more such jamaicans we like to talk and help each other so i asked the man what him name and give him name and say oh i'll carry to the train station and he came to the train station and came to the tunnel that the train station um went under the tunnel is still in good condition, but obviously all overgrown, you know, tree and stuff like that. They went through a tunnel, and then because he was so warm to the guy, the guy was like, yo, I know it's a big turtle. <laughs> and he went back to the man's shop, and man makes a turtle right in front of him, gave him a turtle, and it's just those little interactions. And yeah. so it was interesting, two things. One, these people have never seen this guy before, but they were so warm to him. Mm-hmm. And two... Jamaica has so many places that we have abandoned, right? Whether it is for um, modernization or whatever the case is, but these are communities. So if you built a community around a train station and the train station is now um, decommissioned, the entire community is now just by themselves. Yeah. And it's, 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 I think that Jamaica has an issue with maintaining stuff. Something Jamaica is built. has an issue with appreciating its value. That's it. That is it, yes. That or is I should it. say, Jamaica has an issue with its people appreciating all she has to offer. Yeah, correct, correct, and very correct. And if you think about, even from a tourism perspective, because every the train station, the the bridge, the the tunnel, all have a stamp of like you know nineteen twenty two or eighteen forty five. Like these things could be made tourist attraction to show, mm-hmm. you know, Jamaica through the years, you know. Mm-hmm. And it, I, it's, I know it's stupid, but he crossed three bridges that obviously were built back in the day that nobody uses now to walk over. And it's like people took the time to build these bridges that are lasting hundreds and hundreds of years. They kind of just left to be yeah. overgrown by. And then we're importing foreigners to come and build bridges that fall down in six months. And it's, it's the same slaves build the bridge. It's the slaves build it to you, right? The white man came to the slaves, build this bridge, then build a bridge. And it's like, it's so amazing that we have so much that we just forget about. We're dazzled. Why are we that? Anyway, anyway, so. Maybe we need to go back to sign off TV. <laughs> no, when it's the, true. When the rainbow colors I'm telling come you, back I'm telling you, with the, <laughs> <laughs> I'm telling you. I'm telling you. That is it. That is it. TV sign off. <laughs> Go and do something with your life. Go and do something with your life. Uh, All right, maybe so. the internet should shut down at certain times of the day. No, but then that would limit our ability to interact with people in different time zones. But I say um, all the time. But I mean, we can set, we can set it to certain activities. Lisa, we, we were, can set technology to Lisa, certain activities. Lisa, in my mind, there was a togetherness that was reestablished 
during those curfew times. Oh, for sure. Like I, I remember Look here, this I miss curfew. Road. As bad as it sounds, no, as bad as, no, as weird as that might sound, I actually miss curfew. Like when you set things for in the evening, I'm thinking to myself, um, no. don't know about we need to get home. <laughs> yeah. I, I miss it. I remember this road, Saturday, Sunday, Monday curfew, and people were just walking outside, just walking up a door because you couldn't go out and there was things to do, like we can be a community yeah, again and talk to each other. That's why there's a resurgence of board games too. I was actually talking about that on Christmas Day. My brother was saying to my neighbor how he's noticed that, you know, like people start playing games and things again. I was like, yeah, I mean, I have a group of friends who we used to do games night mm-hmm. pretty regularly. We haven't done it in a while, but I want to feel it's COVID because people needed to find things to do. Yeah. And as much as there is the internet, um, between schooling and working people, remotely, people, people were yes, all over yes. the screen time. And people they're like, we it. need to find some other way to enjoy time. And if we can't go out and party, Just socialize. we have Just to figure socialize. out how to do it at home. Or with like a small it. group of friends. I miss I Yeah, I'm, I'm with you. With people. What advice would you give yourself? You know, you're far to know. What advice would you give yourself about... Are they younger self or younger people today? What to do in life or what they should not do? Trust your gut. Trust your gut. We already know what we're um, passionate about. We already know to some extent what our natural gifts are. Um, And so if we tap into trusting ourselves and i don't mean in a reckless way um but we know the things that we don't really like to do we know the things that we are doing out of obligation we have an idea of what excites us and it's it to me as i have searched myself trying to find myself back to that in a place of knowing um It's the overlap between our natural giftings and what we learn with our experiences or acquire through formal training. That's where the magic happens. So uh, trust your gut. We're made different for a reason and we are a gift to the world. So don't try to be anybody else. Become the greatest expression of you. Thank you so much for listening to this conversation. If you enjoyed it and you want to dive into a similar What Next episode, Check out the links in the podcast description or head to the whatnextpodcast.com. And remember, make it your mission to make somebody else's day better.